You are listening to The Breakup Evolution, a collection of real-life vignettes of how people move on from heartbreak because matter-of-factly, breakups suck. They leave us flat on the floor, crying insufferably, and in my case, taking a same-day flight out of Chicago to never return. Each episode is a tale of one stranger sharing their breakup story, but more importantly, how they moved on and evolved from the relationship. This is about the aftermath, how we pick ourselves up after the end of being so close to someone for so long. And we are going through a breakup evolution remix, or I guess an evolution in itself. Because it's not just romantic breakups that cause us to shapeshift our identity. It can be a relationship to a friend, or in one case, an ex-NFL player who broke up with football. Today we have on the show Monica Araski, the vice president and co-founder of worldwide travel company Yampu Tours. She's a New York Times travel show speaker and has been featured in a number of publications as an expert on travel destinations, specifically in Central and South America. She started the company 22 years ago with her husband and now goes on amazing adventures with him, clients, and their two children. When I hear about people with amazing dream jobs like this, I often wonder how the hell someone even got there. Like, how did they dream up such a job and get the bravery to go pursue it? Monica and I talk about a relationship she had which involved going all over the world, from living in Hawaii to Paris to New York. As she describes it, she was living sex in the city before it was even written, before Carrie Bradshaw was even a thing. It was the cause of this breakup that Monica was inspired to wholeheartedly embrace her love of travel and then get out there and start a company around it. While I had Monica on the line, I had to ask her for her travel recommendations. Specifically, where you go when you're reeling from a breakup and need to mend a broken heart. Stay tuned for her response on the best places to go and what to do there. Let's meet Monica. After college, I was in my 20s. I was applying for jobs and they were extremely boring, you know? What I was, and thinking of moving to Indianapolis, Indiana, that's where I was living, and, or Chicago, and I called my friend who had moved to Hawaii because her father lived there. And she said, why don't you come here? You know, they like college graduates and, you know, and it was just so far out of my tunnel of vision. I had an apartment on the beach, you know, facing the ocean where the um, Outrigger Canoe Club used to go out and, and practice. So I used to sit out on my lanai, they call it a lanai in Hawaii. And I used to sit out on my lanai and, you know, watch the sunset every night. And sunsets are, have been a big part of my travel. It's one of my favorite things. I had really, the, I had a lot of time to work on myself because I had a hard childhood. It wasn't easy and nobody told me how cool I am. <laughs> That's stupid. Um, but, you know, nobody, my grandmother did. My grandmother loved me. You know, and she always made me feel like a movie star when I walked in the the house. You know, it was, she would just smile, the biggest smile and really happy to see me. But the rest of my childhood, 
you know, I didn't get that kind of reinforcement. So the time in Hawaii is where I learned to live my life with love. And then I met this boyfriend who lived in Paris. And then he asked me to come and live with him. And it was this huge decision. Just I was before Sex in the City, but it was just like it. I was like, they stole my story. Cut to Monica moving to Paris. She moves, she leaves Hawaii, leaves the Lanai and the beaches, and well, she trades it all for city life in France. Cue all the French stereotypes. But actually, it wasn't the elegant fictional depiction of Carrie Bradshaw in Sex in the City with a dreamy Russian ballet dancer. For Monica, it wasn't nearly as romantic. When I was in Paris, because I had worked since, I mean, even at 10, my grandparents owned a restaurant and I would go bus tables, you know, and I was working at 16. I, I was working all through college, all the time in Hawaii. So to be there with free time in Paris and no money, that, that's a big differential, you know, free time, but no money. And, and we were there in the winter. So walking around, it was rainy, it was cold. You know, so I just, do you have, it's a real technique to be unemployed. You have to be good at it. You know, not everybody can do free time well, and I'm just not one of those people that can do it well, you know. And how long were you in, in Paris? I was in Paris off and on for about, I believe it was about three years, two or three years, but we didn't spend the whole year there. We spent the winters there. And then was it, was it New York was the other place that you would go? Well, back we and went, forth? the first couple of years, we went back and forth to Hawaii. And then um, the last year it was New York. And then once I, we moved to New York, then I was contributing. I was paying the rent, you know, I was working. I, I had a job I did not like, but I made the best of it, you know, and I felt good about myself. And then what were you doing for work at the time? Back then, you paid for your long distance and you could choose your company. And so I was selling long distance, the most boring job ever. But I focused on art dealers and I formed, because you could get better rates if you were a big company. So I formed a, a membership where all these art dealers could join and get the rates of a big company. So I was just running around New York, going to art dealers, analyzing their phone bills and and uh, showing them how much money they could save if they moved to me. And they were very sweet about it, you know. And uh, yeah, so I made a really boring job as fun as I could. I would work all day and then, but I saw a lot of New York as I was going all around the city, talking to art dealers. And it would be amazing, you know, you would walk into an art gallery and that little bit of time in Paris taught me enough about art uh, that I could look up and go, oh, my God, this guy has a calder in his back room. Or there's a Picasso sitting against the wall. <laughs> it's just really, really, really cool, you know. Things are going really well for Monica. She had a job that took her all over New York, rollerblading around the city. This was around the late 1990s. And she was living with that same boyfriend that she moved out of Hawaii with. And so one day he decides to have a birthday party in his apartment in Paris, which he still has. 
Just a side note, I got kind of confused here, so figured I'd insert a little explanation. So, wait, was she in Paris again? I thought Monica was in New York at first, but just to explain, Monica's boyfriend is super well-off. So, yeah, they were in New York, and then for his birthday celebration, he decided to just, you know, hop on a plane and go to France, as you do. And I wanted to go. We're living together. And he said, what do you think you are, a jet setter? And... (laughs) I have this terrible tendency to remember the meanest things people have ever said to me in my life, and that's top 10. Monica and I took a pause to actually discuss the meaning of the word jet setter. Because actually to me, it was always a pretty positive thing as someone who's just brave and goes off on a plane without a care. But actually, and I'm really glad we talked about it because to Monica... Jet setter is actually more of a freeloader. It's a super negative term. Someone who just goes around and rides on the coattails of others while traveling from place to place without, keyword, contributing. So the word jet setter, when thrown around by her boyfriend, was actually like the meanest thing he could have said. It was an insult. And so he went off to Paris and a couple of our friends from New York went with him. And, and when he came back, I broke up with him. A couple of years go by and many wild nights pass. And Monica enjoys the city, finally, as a single girl. And then one night... I went to a party in Soho. And I was a little bit sad that night. My, my friend of mine had cancer and I had just come from Massachusetts to see her. So I wasn't really in a party mood. I kind of had to be dragged out anyway. And then I I stayed for about an hour and I was putting my coat on and my husband, and he's, he's, he's been like this our whole life, always asked me why I'm doing stuff. You know, (laughs) he's like, why do you have your coat on? Are you leaving? (laughs) And that was the first thing he ever said to me, you know? And so we started, he introduced me to his friends. We started dancing and we went out for breakfast after the party and our relationship went really fast. Uh, we were engaged within the first few months. I got pregnant after that just uh, because we wanted to go ahead and we were both in our 30s and wanted to go ahead and get started on making a family. So Yambu Tours, the travel company that you started with your husband, is now 22 years up and running. How did you go from this whirlwind romance of meeting, engagement, creating a family to, hey, we're going to open up a travel company? So my husband had three ideas. We almost opened a shoe stop shop in the lower East Village because he his family was uh, the shoe family in Peru. They made their own shoes and they had a chain of shoe stores. The second one was the travel company because we had traveled to Peru together to meet his family. And he took me to Machu Picchu and he'd never been because as a child, they didn't travel a lot around Peru because it was more dangerous back then, 30 years ago. So we went to Machu Picchu together and he thought it would be a good idea to organize the same trip we did for other people. So that was his second idea. And the third idea was he, and this one would have been good too, uh, monetarily, but maybe not um, as fun. Uh, He wanted to import coffee and maybe some of the wonderful fruits and vegetables that come from the jungle and from Peru and the Andes. 
And that mm-hmm. monetarily, that would have been good because right now quinoa is so good, you know, so popular. Yeah. So, but back, so then the first idea was the most familiar to him. So he was pursuing that and the lawyer didn't let him sign the lease because they wanted him to personally guarantee it. And the lawyer said, no, you can never do that. So then he just said, okay, I'm going to start the travel company. And he, he had a laptop and that's all he needed. You know, we had all the connections in Peru already. So he just, you know, started with Peru the first year. And then the second year we added Chile and Ecuador, Argentina, Bolivia. Every year we would add more countries. And now we do all of the continents. I think my husband and I just shared this love for travel. He traveled his whole life and he's really good at making things happen. You know, he thinks a few months in advance. I'm more in the moment, you know, and sometimes it's harder for people in the moment to to go or maybe it's not. Maybe they're just more spontaneous and they're doing everything more spontaneously. But my husband was always thinking, okay, we're going to go here. We're going to go there, you know. And then so he would kind of be the motor that would make it happen. And I would be the designer. So I would say, okay, these are the hotels I want to inspect for the clients. These are the experiences that I want to do. And on this is how many days we need to be here, there. I want to go to this city. I want to go to that, you know, park, you know. And so uh, I like to get off the beaten track. So I would dig up all the deep off the beaten track places to go. And so I think together, I mean, we're just the perfect travel team. And we're always really happy when we travel. Like we never fight when we travel, you know, you know, but if it's laundry day, like there's all this squabbling at home, but when we're traveling, there's nothing to fight about. Everything's good. Yeah. It's almost like a different mindset or yeah. Different mindset. Like when traveling. Yeah. I love taking my kids with me all over the world because in the day-to-day life, they have so much going on and I have so much going on and there's homework and there's meals to cook. And when you're traveling and and also there's cell phones, which has been a big thing of my kids growing up, you know, so, and, and not just the kids, like my husband and I are worse than they are sometimes with being on our phones. So I found that when we were traveling internationally, we were way more connected, way more in the moment, you know. I would tell them stories and we would look just looking out the window. I mean, kids just love that. I mean, I remember they were three when they went from Lake Titicaca, Peru to Bolivia on a train and they sat on the train all day playing cards and looking out the window that, that, that being in the moment, being away, not having to worry about anything, having a lot of things taken care of. Going full circle with the podcast theme are there any places or excursions that you would recommend for someone who has who's going through a heartbreak? I think going to somewhere where it's very culturally different, like where you went in Indonesia or going to Peru would be really good. Uh, Italy, the people in Italy are always have always been so nice, you know. <laughs> I could see myself going if I was broken up, going and living in Italy, just because everyone's so nice to you. They just make you feel really good about yourself. <laughs> but, you know, going to a place like Peru, uh, where the nature is abundant, there's lots of things to do just to 
to occupy your mind. You know, you could go sit on a beach and get massages. You know, you could go to Tulum, but that's so, that's so busy. But there's so many beaches in Mexico too, that you can get away maybe on the Pacific coast, south of Puerto Vallarta. You could go there and just get away and do yoga. And oh, um, Santa Teresa, Costa Rica is a great place. And Nasara, Costa Rica for yoga and, you know, doing retreats. But I like, I think for me, I would like to do something active if I was going through that at this point. But it kind of depends on how independent you are. If being somewhere alone would make you feel more lonely, then then do it to retreat, you know, and go somewhere sunny where you can swim with the manta rays and, you know, be Indonesia is, is a nurturing culture. I feel everyone in Indonesia has like a, a little temple in their house. They're uh, the people are very sweet there and the nature is so beautiful. And so that could be a good one, you know, the little eat, pray, love kind of thing. <laughs> But yeah, I think that it depends on the person. And I always, you know, like to get to know the person and how, how that, what their travel style is. You could do something like um, going to the uh, Amazon jungle. You can go in Peru or Ecuador, my favorite places to see the jungle. And when you're at the lodges, you know, you would be alone in your cabin. You'd have lots of time to read and reflect and meditate, but then when you go out on the excursions, you will be with a group of people that are at the lodge. So you'll feel like you're having contact with people every day, which I, I think for me would work well, because I'm not sure I would be totally happy all alone the whole time, you know? And then, so I think that would work really well is to go to something like that. They also have in Chile and Argentina, these adventure lodges where again, you know, in the daytime, you're paired with other people at the lodges to do like these treks and horseback rides and, you know, boat, boat kayaking, biking, you know, they have different fun activities that you can do in the day. Uh, and then at night you have your, your solo time to reflect. So that could be fun. But I like the idea of getting to a different culture where, where you're completely shocking your, your senses. I think it's clear that you're a travel expert because just immediately off the bat, you're able to list like places all over the world and then, and then highlight, well, maybe someone would need like a bit of connection with people and like presence and then some alone time, or maybe they want to be so immersed in a new culture, definitely something for everyone in, in different ways of which they want to heal. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. And also probably a little bit of a breakup expert too, <laughs> back in the old days. Monica, thank you so much for sharing your story, as well as your wealth of travel experiences and also how other people can experience like the same kind of magic that you have. I would love if you wouldn't mind sharing where people can find you in case they want to go on a travel excursion or or just in general, where they can find out more about you. Our website is yampu, Y-A-M like Mary, P-U, uh, dot com. It's really easy. I'm also under uh, Instagram at Monica Irowski Experiences. It just occurred to me a few years ago that I'm a jet setter now, <laughs> legitimately. 
<laughs> on my own terms, you know, and what seemed like the worst moment in my life. Now my life is so better than I could have ever imagined. And I just want to like tell people to, if they're going through a breakup, that just to remember life can get so much better than what some person is trying to make you feel about yourself. I will list all the ways that you can contact Monica on the show notes, whether you want to go on an adventure, mend a broken heart, just see the world with Yampu tours. And if you have a story you want to share about a breakup that you've had in some way or some form and how you've evolved after it, you can reach me at thebreakupevolution at gmail.com. That's thebreakupevolution at gmail.com. <laughs>